FMX Network Production. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I want to say. You know a new view from inside the truck. X racer to racer and eye to eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's industry seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires and brought to you by Blendsall, Plum Creek Funding, Works Connection, Premier Vapor Blasting of Georgia, 612 Suspension, and Fly Racing. All right, everybody, it is Saturday and going to do a little update. We're going into round 15. I know this is not your normally scheduled programming, but that's okay. I kind of promised you guys an update after the last round and I didn't get to it until now. We are the day before round 15 and I'm excited to, to get another one of these in the books. I felt like the West Coast's 250 round really brought the excitement back to the race man, that East Coast was just so beaten down and guys were injured and J-Mart exited stage left. And it just really kind of came down to two guys. Uh, I guess Colton Nichols should be in there too, but I really felt like the series was all about two guys. And uh, after three in a row, I just kind of seen enough for the moment. We'll get them back here uh, next Wednesday, which is great, but I'm really enjoying the 250 West. Uh, now the four, the 450, we know kind of what the status quo is. Eli Tomac has a nice 27 point lead. So for those keeping, for those of you keeping score at home, which everybody is, that's a full race ahead. So he's really done a good job of growing this points lead. Not only that Cooper Webb has found himself into that second spot. So if you are an Eli Tomac fan, this is exactly what you were hoping for. What you were really worried about was Ken Roxon kind of catching fire and rattling off some wins or Eli Tomac melting down or having a bike issue or a big crash that would really change the scope of this championship. And we have gotten none of those things. Eli has been firmly in control. He has uh, the same amount of wins as Cooper Webb. They have both split wins. And you're totally okay with that if you're Eli, Eli Tomac. The onus is not on you to win races. All you have to do is just, as I said, manage the status quo and keep everybody at bay. Cooper Webb really had to get on a hot streak here and win a bunch of rounds, which he's done. He has really done well, and I think there were a few of us that were calling for that. I, for one, really felt that he would come out and really put his mark on the series. Now, the trouble is he had that big get off in Arlington. He gave a whole bunch of points away and relegated himself to battling for second at the moment. Now, with three rounds left, we have to make sure that we qualify that saying anything could happen. Every main event, there is a chance for things to go well or disaster to strike. So just because Eli Tomac has been in charge and things have gone well so far, that doesn't mean that everything's going to go well in the future. Now, we always point back to that 2017 series where Ryan Dungey ended up being your champion, but leaving Salt Lake, and I can put myself right back to that night, leaving Salt Lake City in April of 2017, I would have bet a large sum of money that Eli Tomac was going to be your champion. 
He absolutely dominated the field that night, coming from way back in, in the pack, blowing past everybody, going you know two or three seconds a lap faster than everyone, and winning easily. That was definitely my feeling. And I get it. He really didn't have much of a points cushion at all. But there was all of this momentum going his way. And then we know what happened in New Jersey the following weekend. He really put himself behind the eight ball and he could not get around that. He couldn't make up that deficit at Vegas and, and Ryan Dungey got himself another title. Well, the picture's a little different. Obviously, Eli Tomac with a 27-point lead doesn't have any pressure and mentally he should be in a very good spot. He's just raced four times in two weeks and all of those have gone well. Now, I guess if you want to say that third place is not all that well, then that's on you. But when you've got two wins, a second and a third, I think that's pretty good. That's a pretty strong showing when everyone's looking at you to see if you can handle pressure. Rattling off four podiums with two wins is a pretty strong answer to that question. So I I really look for more of the same. The weather will be great tomorrow in Salt Lake. Should be around 80 degrees in the afternoon sunny skies. So I don't see any reason for things to really change. Now, whether Cooper Webb or Eli Tomac wins, that's anybody's guess. Uh, I think there's a 50, 50 shot of both of them winning. I guess if you really wanted to lean on one or the other, maybe Cooper has a better chance just because he has no pressure and his starts have been phenomenal, but I refuse to bet against Eli Tomac with the way he's riding right now. So look for more of the same there. I do think there's an outside chance of Zach Osborne winning one of these three rounds though, because I think as we head towards the finale, I think Eli Tomac is going to lower his risk factor. I don't think he's going to be willing to take big chances and that, that could be subconsciously as well. He may go into the race wanting to win, but I've seen it so many times where the guys that are in championship position are going to just back it down a tiny bit. And they may not even want to. They may want to go win, but it, it's just, it just happens. They are unwilling to take chances in dicey moments. They're going to chop the throttle if things get a little hairy. We, we've just seen it time and time again. And I, I've been in that spot in German championships and things like that. And when there's a high-risk uh, scenario – you're going to find a way to play it safe. And for Zach Osborne and guys like Cooper Webb and some of these guys, even Jason Anderson, Ken Roxon, they're not going to play it safe. They're going to put it on the line. And that just ups their probability of a better finish. It also ups their chances of crash or giving up a lot of points. And that's where Eli Tomac's going to come in. So we'll see. Uh, but I think we've established some some patterns over the last four rounds. And with these final three rounds coming over the span of, you know, eight or nine days, uh, I guess nine or ten would be a better comparison, uh, we're probably going to continue to see the things we've already seen. It's really, really difficult to turn momentum around when you're racing this quick over and over and over. Because if it is a speed deficiency or a fitness deficiency, there's no time to do anything about it. You can't go train. You can't really do a lot of testing. You certainly can't build any parts or do anything like that. There, there's just no time for any of that. So you almost have to just ride out the trends that you're already seeing and hope for very small percentage improvements. That's really what you're looking for. Now, the opposite of that is Blake Baggett because he was dealing with some serious arm pump issues and he seemed to sort that out this last round. I know they 
they were going into a fitness improvement. They really wanted him to get stronger for this outdoor series. So they were doing a lot of weightlifting. And then they were in the midst of that, they dropped this supercross schedule on top of them. And it was just honestly bad timing. It wasn't as bad a timing as it was for RJ Hampshire with his ACL repair, but they, they had this plan to be at full strength for the then, uh, perceived start date of July 4th for the outdoor nationals. And that that's really what they were working towards. You drop a supercross race right into the middle of your strength conditioning program on May 31st. And yeah, you see, you see just difficulties and complications arising. So they've really changed out of that and his arms are responding, you know, lifting weights creates a pump and that's very bad for, for riding dirt bikes. What you're trying to do is get stronger and then have a residual effect of those gains throughout the summer. But during that building phase, you're doing a lot of lifting and a lot of pump goes on during that phase. And it's very easy to replicate that when you ride. And I lived that out firsthand. So I, I can totally understand the scenario. They just got caught in bad timing. Uh, so we'll see if that trend continues where he starts to get better and Blake Baggett can utilize those great starts and maybe this time stay on the podium. Now, as for your 250 West, uh, pretty awesome racing. I thought, uh, Austin Forkner was uncontested for the win. Great job by him. Uh, Dylan Fernandez did a nice job of managing what he needs to do. Now, the other side of that is Justin Cooper. I thought he kind of let one get away there. You know, all of these guys were really scrambling to declare themselves the alpha for the final few rounds they have left. They have another round tomorrow and then they have the showdown. So there's not a lot of time to make up points. Now, if you look at where they sit, Dylan Ferrandis is still out front, but Austin Forkner has gotten into that second spot. Now, if you're Dylan Ferrandis, you kind of don't care, right? It doesn't matter who's first or second. You're trying to maintain your points lead. And he kind of did just that. Now he had a little shuffling behind him, but the points gap still stayed in double digits. And that's really what he's looking for. Because I, I do think Justin Cooper will rebound and ride better tomorrow, which will be Sunday, which will be round 15. Now, what is Dylan Fernandez doing? What does Austin Forkner do? Fernandez just has to try to beat both of them and at least one of them every time. And what he wants to avoid is that points lead getting narrow going into the showdown, because I really do believe we're going to see a high chance of variance at that showdown, because you're going to insert three elite level riders with Sexton, McElrath, and Nichols. And I, I don't really think anybody behind them will be a huge factor. That's just my belief. I don't think they're really on the level of these other elite West Coast guys. But that's three guys that could get in there and extend points, you know? So if Ferrandis gets a really bad start in the showdown, he's going to have a tough time passing the likes of Nichols, Sexton, or McElrath. And that's a, that's a big gap in points, right? That's a big swing. And if you are a great starter, like Forkner and Justin Cooper both are, that presents a really nice opportunity. So watch for team tactics, watch for the starts to be incredibly important. There's just going to be a lot going on because two titles are going to be up for grabs, which we, we don't see very often. That, that has not been the norm at these showdown races. We either had them clinched or big points leads where, yeah, the guy that's got the title wrapped up or has a firm stranglehold on it, he's just going to play it safe and not do anything stupid. So going back to maybe 2018 with uh, the Osborne, Savachi, Jordan Smith, that was really the last time we saw anything kind of crazy going on for the series. So 
that 2017? I, I get them mixed up. I think 2017. But watch for that. Uh, hopefully, and this is a, uh, I have my fingers crossed. We see those, well, the East Coast is super tight, but we see that West Coast points lead come down tomorrow. And wouldn't it be awesome if maybe, you know, Justin Cooper won, Austin Forkner was second, and maybe Dylan Ferrandez got, you know, a fourth or a fifth? That would really put those guys all within one or two points, all three of them for the lead. And then if we could have a really tight battle, maybe McElrath wins and Sexton second at the final East Coast, we would have a tie going into the last round for the East Coast and a super close battle for the West Coast. If that happens, buckle up, folks. It's going to be a wild showdown, and it would be just what the doctor ordered for the finale with no sports going on and something for failed entertainment to really push out to the media to get, you know, some, some excitement and get some casual fans really, uh, involved because I think your, your hardcore fan, like myself, I'm going to be locked in either way, but having some hype and having some real drama go on, on that final Sunday afternoon of June 21st could be pretty awesome. The 450 class, we know it's not looking like it's going to be that way. Anything is possible, as I already mentioned, but it, it really does seem like Tomac is in the driver's seat and mentally in a much better place than we've seen him in a, him in a very long time. So we'll just have to watch that one play out. But this, these 250 series are really looking like it's going to be a wild and woolly finale. So that's kind of where we stand going into tomorrow. I do want to cover uh, fantasy a little bit, but before I do, I want to thank the sponsors of this podcast, which are Pirelli Tires, Blenzol Oils, Works Connection, Premier Vapor Blasting of Georgia, Fly Racing, Plum Creek Funding, and 612 Suspension. All of them have really stood by me through this whole coronavirus deal. Some have been a little bit newer to join, but I really appreciate everybody, and I really believe this podcast has really bright days in front of it, and I want to thank all of them for jumping on so early, so please check all of those guys out. Uh, they are all great moto companies. Even Plum Creek funding is not a true moto company, but he is as moto as they come. Uh, but he presents a really great opportunity to save yourself a lot of money with the, where the, uh, home mortgage rates are for, for buying or refinancing. So please check all those companies out. Now for fantasy, we did not do a fantasy podcast today. So I'm kind of filling that hole a little bit. But it was a pretty crazy day, and my team sucked. I'm just going to start right there. That's two weeks in a row of my team completely taking a dump on national television. And I was pretty devastated. I was really bummed this weekend because the week bef- the race before, I just felt like I was due for a correction a little bit. It's, it's just really hard to stack great weekends in a row. But to have two bad weekends in a row was, was bad news for me, and I, I really slid down the, uh, the rankings quite a bit. But I have three rounds to sort it out, and my potential picks for this weekend are very, very enticing. So as bad as it was last week and the week before, I have an opportunity if things go my way and if my riders do well, I have big upside. And that's not always the case. That was my problem last week is my, the guys that I had available, there wasn't any upside because I had – you can only pick – you know, certain riders, you have to give them an off week. You can't pick the same riders back to back weeks. So it was kind of one of those weekends where I didn't have great options. So I really hedged my bets and took safe picks and guys like Justin Barsha had his bike broke. So he DNFs. I had Justin Brayton and he had some sort of stomach bug and he got a a 12th or 13th, which didn't work out for me at all. So it just kind of went that way for me. Guys like Dean Wilson did okay, but not 
ideal. Uh, Jason Anderson was another guy I picked. He crashed on the first lap. So it was like everything that could go wrong in my safe picks. And I have air quotes around safe. It didn't work out. And I really paid a heavy price for that. So tomorrow is going to be my rebound. I firmly believe that. And I have the picks and the opportunities to do that. So just kind of recapping last week, uh, the best picks in the game were uh, both on my team in the 250 class. I had McAdoo and Christian Craig, 52 and 38. And their pick trends were both over 70%. So I was not some sort of Nostradamus there. Uh, Most teams had those. And they were really just results of really poor starts to the West Coast series. Therefore, their handicaps were really high and they both performed. That's just how that's going to go. And we kind of knew that going in, but sticking to our formulas, we, we kind of had to do it. That's what we had to stick with because of their poor performances at the beginning of the series. So for those of you who did not have those two, God bless you. You really missed out. There is opportunity still for this weekend, but it's not going to be as it was. Christian Craig could still pay off for you. McAdoo really lost a lot of value. Um, but yeah, that's just how they go sometimes. Now, Derek Kelly was the third highest scorer, and that was a little bit of an outlier. He looked really good in practice. I just refused to pick him because he burnt me at Millville so bad last year that I still have a bitter taste in my mouth, and I paid the price for that. Uh, he was 36 points, and my own bitterness kept me away from picking him. And then going down the list, guys like Bryson Gardner and Mitchell Falk, they were a bit off the radar. I mean, Bryson Gardner had a 0.7 per sick pick trend, and he was the fourth highest scorer. So let that be a lesson to all of us. If you're willing to step out and take a chance, you can, it can pay off. I believe Dan Truman had Bryson Gardner, and that's kind of how Dan rolls. He takes big risks, but he also pays uh, a pretty hefty price for that as well. Now, the 450, some of the highlights – Blake Baggett was your highest scorer, and I could not pick Blake, but he paid off. Maximum score, 52 points. I would have loved to pick him. I knew things were kind of turning around for him, but I had him in that mud race uh, last Wednesday. So there wasn't anything I could do about it other than just suck it up. And Actually, last Sunday, I'm sorry. I, could, I just had to deal with it. There was nothing I could do. When I saw him get a good start and running you know, second and third, I just shrugged my shoulders because there wasn't anything I could do. Now, Tyler Bowers, 38, he's been dealing with uh, 38 points. He's been dealing with altitude sickness. I knew he had gone down to sea level to St. George or close to it uh, in a couple, with a couple days off to try to get rid of his uh, altitude sickness symptoms, and clearly that paid off. He scored 38 points with his 10th or 14th place position, excuse me, but 24% of people had him, which was a bit surprising. I know he qualified well, but if you've been paying attention, you knew he had zero energy in the main events. So people were definitely gambling there. Paul Parabinos was one of those and a nice pick there. I just, I talked to him in person quite a bit and it did not sound good. So I I stayed far away from that. Marty Davalos, 36 points. I had him on my team with probably 20 minutes to go. And I just did not know how much upside there was. And I, I keep waiting for the other shoe to drop with Marty. You know, he, he's a great pick and has been a great pick throughout these Salt Lake rounds, but for him to not have any sort of issue crash tip over is it's really unbelievable for Marty's. If you look at his, his history. So there he goes again, another a sixth place finish with his one handicap moves him up to fifth place points times two gives you 36 points and just a, a great showing by Marty once again. Now, Zach, Zach Osborne is a little bit of a sore subject for me because I should know better. 
I work for one of his largest sponsors in fly racing. And I'll tell you what scared me away was his minus three handicap. Now how a minus three handicap works, you take his finish, you subtract three positions from that. And then that's your score. And if that's inside the top 10, then you double it. So in this case, he got second, which is his best finish since New Jersey of last year. Now that's, so you can't really predict that. You can't really predict that he's going to get second. Most times he has not gotten anywhere near that, but he did. So great job to everyone. The 13% of people that picked him, you got second place. Now subtract three spots from that. Now you're fifth times two. So he got 36 points, the exact same scenario as Marty Davalos, fifth place points times two. And that's just, Hey, sometimes you get lucky. I did not think Zach was going to get second and I paid the price for it. He was eligible for me to pick. So that's on me. I'm just going to have to, to learn to live with that one and uh, swallow it. My forbidden team absolutely sucked. Chad Reed's another one. He was 36 points too. And he finally rode well. And he's been unhappy with his riding. He's been unhappy with the track. And even in his interview on, and, and what really turned me off to it was in his interview on Wednesday, he kind of sounded very pessimistic uh, during his practice interview. He just said the track was really weird and it was soft in some spots and hard in the others. And he didn't really think his experience was helping him, but he got a great start and was able to hang in there with the pace and turn in an 11th place finish. So just a good job overall. I mean, 36 points. I, he was another guy I could not pick. So it didn't matter whether I believed in him or not. I, I could not pick him as I had him the week before. So um, for those of you who are keeping a, you know tabs on a lot of these guys, there are a lot of guys that I, I won't get into. Carlin Gardner, Alex Ray, Benny Bloss, that all paid off big. I didn't pick any of them. I went four all-stars, and I paid the ultimate price. My 450 team, as I mentioned a minute ago, absolutely sucked. And I was thoroughly pissed off on uh, Wednesday. You can ask Steve Mathis, and he probably mentioned it on some of the shows we've done since then. I was kind of acting like a, a fool in the press box. There's no one else in there, so no one, there was no one to hear us. But I was pissed off and really airing out my grievances. It's a great way to put it. Um, but, yeah, just I tried to play it safe, and even when I played it safe, I couldn't do that. Factory guys, bikes were breaking, which should not happen. Uh, Rock-solid guys like Justin Brayton were fading really badly. It was just, yeah, the plane crashed into the mountain. It's just how it went. So I was pissed off. I have a couple days to reflect on it and I am very optimistic going into tomorrow's race of Sunday. So let's talk about a few of the picks for tomorrow. Now 250 class, uh, the guys I cannot pick, I had Luke Clout and I am a moron. I picked Luke Clout thinking he was uh, a double points eligible guy. Nope. He was an all-star and that's my fault. I was trying to eat and do my real job things in the middle of all this. And I have no one to blame for myself for leaving points out there. Now, having said that I replaced Luke clout, excuse me. I put, I put in Luke clout by removing jet Lawrence. Now this was a mistake on my part, not knowing that Luke clout was an all-star. Let's start there. But Jet Lawrence didn't pay off. So it could be a mistake that becomes a great triumph because I cannot pick Jet Lawrence fast enough for my team tomorrow. Can't do it. He's not coming off my team unless he gets hurt in practice. He is going to crush it tomorrow. That's my belief. So I got very, very lucky there and it actually netted me an extra five points. And 
now it will allow me to pick Jet Lawrence for Sunday's race. And that's where I was talking about a few minutes ago where I'm really set up for a big score tomorrow is because guys like Jet Lawrence will be hopefully big scorers that are coming off really bad days last race. And that's all it, all fantasy is, is timing. If you can time the bad days not being on your team and time the good days, riders, good days of being on your teams, you will do well in fantasy. You can talk about skill and insider knowledge and anything else you want to talk about. That's what it comes down to is getting the timing right. And for those of you who think you're smarter than everybody else, it's not that. It's just luck. There is a certain level of skill to it. Absolutely. Knowing who the riders are, knowing their tendencies, knowing if they're hurt or, or feeling good or, you know, Blake Bag was suffering from arm pumps, stupid stuff like that. That stuff helps. But in its purest form, the luck factor of this game is undeniable. You just can't get around it. You can make the smartest, best pick ever. And if the guy crashes or his bike breaks, there's no way to predict that. There's no way to anticipate that or know it's coming or try to pretend you're smarter than everybody else and, and be on the front end of it. You just have to make smart picks and hope your, your timing pays off for you. So going into this race, um, some of the all-star picks that I think are pretty viable. Uh, I had uh, Justin Cooper. He was my all-star pick for last week, and he paid off. He, got, he didn't ride well, but he was a three which is all I needed. He got me my 26 points and that's, that's really all it comes down to. That's all you really care about. Now the all-star picks for this weekend are a little bit tougher because both Forkner and Ferrandis are zeros. So if they don't win, if one of those two guys doesn't win, then you're going to lose points. Now, both of them are pretty safe picks. If you're wanting to get 21 points or higher, I like your odds there. I like your chances of doing that. But if you're hoping and needing that 26-point maximum, it gets a little dicey because you have to get the winner right. Now, some of the other more safe picks, you've got an Amart at a 5. You've got a Brandon Hartraft at a 5. You've got Michael Mosman at a 5. Those feel a little bit safer, but if you look at those guys' particular results, they have been a little bit unpredictable, right? Hartraft is coming off a 7th, so you would have left some points on the table there. Mosman has had a tendency to have some crashes, have some issues, so he could let you down. Uh, Amart has been all over the map. He would have paid off last week. He would have got you 26 points, but Amart's had big crashes and whoops this year, and you just never really know what you're going to get. Outdoors, I would feel a little safer, but Supercross, man, I, I just don't trust it as much. So I'm not really sold yet. I'm going to watch practice. Um, if you can pick Justin Cooper, I will, I will qualify with this. If you can pick Justin Cooper... Pick Justin Cooper as your all-star and move on. Don't even waste your time. I just cannot. So for me, it creates a little bit of an issue. So that's that's really good advice, and I'm trying to be as transparent as possible. If Justin Cooper is eligible for you, pick him and move on. Don't even think twice. Now, some of the better picks as far as non-all-stars, uh, I think Christian Craig, if he's eligible for you, is an easy pick. I had him last week, as did 70-plus percent of teams. So if he's on, he's eligible for you, pick him and move on, as did Dan Truman on the uh, the expert picks. Uh, some of the other guys that I'm looking at, Jet Lawrence, as I said, that's an easy one. I'm picking him and not even thinking twice. There's no way you could talk me out of Jet Lawrence. I will also be picking Hunter Lawrence. He is a three. Hunter's a little bit scarier, but keep in mind, he got 13th last week after crashing big on the first lap. So he came all the way back to 13th, getting him double points for what would be this week's handicap. 
after a big crash. So it feels pretty safe to me. Now, nothing's a guarantee, but it feels pretty safe. Mitchell Oldenburg, he's a zero. He got 10th last week. So there doesn't seem to be a ton of value there, but if you're, if you're wanting to gamble and maybe your picks are a little, a little thin, that's uh, that's something you could look at. Uh, what else do we got here? Scrolling through some of these guys, Carson Brown had a bike issue last week. So his handicap went up a little bit. He's been, you know, around that nine, 10, 11 range and he's a three. So there is a little bit of value there. Paul Parabinos has him picked. So if you want to check that out, I, I don't hate that. Mitchell Falk, he looked like he was having a pretty good run last week and uh, ran into a couple issues, but he did get 16th. That's a seven. So there's some upside there. If, if you think Mitchell Falk is due for a, you know, a 12th place finish, there's value to be had there at a seven. You could, re, you could rack up a 30 plus point, point night with Mitchell Falk. So just kind of scroll through these. I would highly recommend seeing who did poorly at the last round, which would be round 14. And then using that as your, your cross reference to pick your team this week. Some of those are going to be easy. Both Lawrence brothers, I think you're pretty easy. If you can pick Christian Craig, that's pretty easy. Um, what else? What's Cameron McAdoo up to? That was a big, he was the number one scorer last week. He is a one. So still a lot of value there. I should have mentioned him sooner. If you think he's going to, if you think Ramit is going to continue his momentum and he's going to get, even if he got a sixth, right? That puts him fifth double points. That's 36 points. That's a really strong score. And if you watched him ride last week, dude is going fast. So if I could pick him again at a one, I would pick him again. Uh, so that's a pretty strong team for you to look at. The Lawrence brothers, Christian Craig, McAdoo, Carson Brown, uh, Mitchell Falk is a little bit more of a gamble. Um, but there, there are still some, some really good value picks in here that you don't really have to gamble on. And now, if you want to really swing for the fences, let's, let's take a look at a couple of those guys, uh, guys like Richard Taylor, who, if those of you RT, if you know, RT, he is the owner of X brand goggles, former top 10 national pro. His son is racing. He's number 141 on Suzuki. He is a 16 handicap. Now this is only a second supercross ever. So keep that in mind. But if you really want to step out and take some chances, you could do that with a guy like Richard Taylor. And, uh, I don't think Michael Weeb will be here. He would be a good pick if so, but I don't think he's coming now. Chris Howell, number 97. Those of you who've been playing fantasy for a while will know that name. Chris Howell. He is a 13 and he has made a lot of main events in his day. He has paid off for me and not paid off for me many, many times. I have both praised him and cursed him, but at a 13, you've got to take a long, hard look at Chris Howell. Bryson Gardner made the main event last week. His handicap dropped a little bit to a 12, but he was pretty solid. So you could look for him to get in the main event. And at a 12, you're guaranteed double points. So those are a few guys, are a few guys that you could really step out on if you wanted to take big risks. And with three rounds to go, if you're not doing very well, what do you have to lose? You might as well go to try to win a weekend to try to win the Jersey for this weekend, which is going to be a Justin Barsha Jersey. That's your, your Salt Lake five or round 15 first place winner is going to be a Justin Barsha Jersey. Now, as for your 450 picks for this weekend, as I said, for the third time, my team sucked. I went four all-stars, which I've never done. I really felt like I had a chance to get over a hundred points with my 450 team and with really bad options, I felt like that was going to be a win. Getting over a hundred would be okay because I had 126 points in the 250 class. And if I could get the 
uh, first lap leader, which I did. I had Cooper Webb, which, so I nailed that. And I could get over 100 points with my guys. That's going to put me, you know, anywhere from 115 to maybe 120 if things go really well, which I was okay with. If you give me 240, 250 as my score for the day, I'm happy. I'm totally good with that. That did not happen. As I said, Jason Anderson crashed, Justin Barsh's bike broke, Justin Brayton rode like crap, and Dean didn't ride all that well either. So it, it went really poorly. And I think I got like 80 points. That sucked. It was really bad. And that's counting the 15 points that Cooper Webb got me. So I think it was more like 65 or something stupid. It was, it was a really bad deal. And again, I was really, really pissed off. But tomorrow's a new day and it is going to be better. I'm very optimistic about it. So let's take a look at a few of the picks that are available. Blake Baggett's a one. And if you believe that he is trending back towards the front, which I kind of do, I, I am really believing the the information that I'm getting to where his arms are improving day by day. Uh, yeah, I think Blake Baggett as a one is a pretty good pick because because if he's riding anywhere near decent, just, I'm not saying he has to have the best race of his life. I'm saying just an average day. I think he's somewhere between four and seven. That's a pretty fair assessment. And if he does that, you get a lot of points, a seventh place, let's say a sixth place, because we've, we've kind of covered that dynamic sixth place at a one. That's a fifth times two is 36 points. I'll take that every single time. So look for Blake Baggett. If he qualifies well to be on my team at a one. Now, I know I gave up a ton of points last week to those who had him. You're always worried about that swing where Blake was a four last week. He gets 52 points, and, and you're always trying to play catch-up to those people who really caught the timing right. But there's not much I can do about that, and there's always a chance he goes out and gets second. That would give me my 52 points, but it's I think that's unlikely. If I can just get 30 points or above, I think that's uh, that's salvageable, and that's okay. A guy like Benny Bloss at a two – if you rise like you did last week and, and gets 10th, yeah, you feel pretty good about that. Eighth times two, I'll take that. Um, but I don't know. He, he had gotten 13th place three times in a row leading into last uh, Wednesday's round. So keep that in mind. That three 13ths in a row would not get you double points at a two. That's a really scary proposition. If you go off his average finish, it's not better. It's not 12th or better. Just keep that in mind. So it's a little bit scary on that front. It really just depends on how bullish you are on Benny Bloss's progress. That's all that that's going to depend on. I probably won't go to Benny at a two unless I just have no options. I believe that I'll have better chances or better choices this week anyway. Now, Justin Brayton, after totally screwing me over last Wednesday, goes back to non-all-star status. So he's a zero. So if, if you're a Brayton fan... That's a pretty good pick. I would assume Jason Wygant will have Justin Brayton on his team, and I really can't blame him. Unfortunately, I got the timing wrong, and I can't pick him for this weekend. Kyle Chisholm is at a 7. I should have picked him last week. He was on my team until the last second at an 8, and I was just scared of something going wrong or just a 19th place finish, and I went for the safer pick, and it bit me. I should have believed in, in Chiz. Chiz is going to Chiz. We know that. And he got 16th, and he did exactly what he's supposed to do, and I did not pick him. So that's totally on me. Kyle Cunningham, if you guys were paying attention, you saw him right up to the line right as the gate was dropping, and he didn't really have a great man event at all, but he still got double points. Well, actually, he didn't. He did not get double points last week, but his 19th place finish 
would get him double points for this weekend. So I may be taking a double look at uh, or a second look at, at Kyle Cunningham for tomorrow's race. Marty Davos all the way down to a zero. That's his lowest handicap of the year, but he's earned it. He has been absolutely fantastic in this return to racing and there's still value there. If you think he's going to get sixth again, that's still a lot of points. So uh, just look, take a long, hard look at Marty. I have over time really gotten scared of Marty just because he's burned me so many times. Um, I should have picked him last week. I had him on my team with 30 minutes to go and I pulled him purely out of fear. Absolutely out of fear. I am going to send it tomorrow. Win, lose, or draw. There will be no conservatism in my team at all. None. I'm sending it. So just keep that in mind. My team is going to be balls out. Now, who do I pick when I go balls out? I'm talking guys like Adam Insignap. I'm talking at a 13. I'm talking guys like Freddie Norin. What's Freddie at? A 14? I'm going to find him here. Uh, Freddie is a 15. Sweet baby Jesus. Freddie Norn's a 15. So guys like that, I'm going for it. Freddie, Insignap. Let me find somebody else to send it with. I could even send it with an A-Ray at 11. I'm telling you, my team is going to be big handicaps, high risk, high reward, three rounds to go. Because me being conservative the last few rounds is not working. It is absolutely not working. My highest scores have come when I've really gone for it. And I will know going in that there is a, a very high chance that it doesn't work out on all levels. But if it does, we're popping bottles around here. It's going to be real. So um, I'm not going to be picking guys like Bloss and, and Davalos and those guys. I'm just not going to do it. I don't see enough upside in them. I'm going Insignaps and Cade Clayson's and Freddie Norens and all those guys. I'm stepping out. I'm going to full send my 450 team and 250 team. I, I guess I can't really say that. Jet Lawrence is not a full send at all. So I'll... Uh, I'll, I'll measure myself there a little bit, and Hunter Lawrence isn't a full send either. But my 450 team, I'm, I'm going for it. So anyway, uh, some some really good picks on my horizon for tomorrow, but I can't stress this enough. With three rounds to go, don't hold anything back. I wish I could have told myself that last weekend, but yeah, all you can do is try to learn off of your uh, your prior mistakes, and damn, did I make a mistake on Wednesday. So thanks again. Thanks to all the sponsors, Pirelli, Blenzall, Plum Creek Funding, Works Connection, 612 Suspension, Premier Vapor Blasting of Georgia, and Fly Racing. Thank you to all of them for standing alongside this podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this little Saturday update. I will be doing our normal uh, post-race pod. Won't be any different there. Uh, But I I just had some time today, and I kind of promised that I would do two a week here for a minute. And yeah. Wanted to knock this thing out and live up to my word, give a little fantasy advice and insight because we did not do a fantasy podcast as a team today. So uh, yeah, we'll probably uh, tweet this out on some of our other avenues to get some fantasy listeners over here and vice versa. So thanks to everybody for listening. I will be back with you uh, tomorrow. I'll do a post-race. I would say at the latest Monday morning, but I'm really going to make an effort to get it done right after the race tomorrow. So look for that. Thank you to everybody for listening. I've really enjoyed doing these podcasts and continue to send me questions. Some of you did uh, for it, and I will cover those tomorrow after the race. So I, I always save them. I have a list of listener questions from both Twitter and email. My email is jason36 at aol.com. So please continue to send those. And we are going to continue to do giveaways. I will announce the next giveaway tomorrow on the show. So look out for that. And again, thanks everybody. Talk to you soon. See ya.